This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Don Robertson of the Dundas Real McCoys of Calm Choice Realty. Uh, the Dundas Real McCoys, by the way, who broke their losing streak, I understand, and are back in the win column, which is uh, which is a good thing, Don. Well, better than the other option. It yeah. is much better than the other option. Yes, that, that's a good thing. A little thing. tighter to the other option when we traditionally win far more than we lose, but we had a bit of a bad stretch there. Now we're going to play a couple top teams in the league this weekend, so we'll see what happens. Let me read you something that is in this week's il- uh, edition of Sports Illustrated. I actually got it when I got home today. And there's an article in there about the NHL landing in Las Vegas. I didn't even read the whole article. I was skimming through and I came across this. I'm going to read it more later. But here's a quote from Gary Bettman in Sports Illustrated that made me kind of shake my head. Uh, He's talking about, you know, when they were trying to get this thing going and show what kind of interest there was in Las Vegas. Sales, these are the pre-sales of tickets, hit 5,000 two days after the drive launched on February 10 and struck 10,000, the ultimate goal, in late March. Given that the league hadn't committed to formal expansion and the arena was still under construction, such enthusiasm was remarkable. Quote, people were giving deposits on a team that might never exist, Bettman says. I don't think that's ever been done before. What am I missing? We did it, I think, three times here in Hamilton, didn't we? Didn't we have, it's twice at least, maybe three times that we have done exactly what he says. People were giving deposits on a team that might never exist. I don't think that's ever been done before. I know we did it way back in the day when the Ron Joyce bid was going on. And I know we did it when the Jim Balsillie thing was happening here, when people, and, it, and we filled the place, forget about 10,000 in a month and a half. It was 17,000 in about six minutes. What's Gary Bettman talking about? Well, they wanted a team in Vegas, and there is a team in Vegas, so he's talking about the communities that count it. I'm sure you'll find if you if you I do don't some... think that's ever been done before. Quote, quote. Well, never that slowly. <laughs> I think you'll, and I... You know, you catch me off guard with this stuff, right? But I think you'll find that when Wild Bill Hunter wanted to move the St. Louis Blues to Saskatoon, that you'd find the same kind of enthusiasm. I don't know if uh, they put the tickets on sale or not, but they would have sold out 10,000 season tickets for an NHL team in Saskatoon in about 25 minutes. And again, he's not, they're not saying sold out the tickets. It's just put commitments down on the tickets. And I don't remember they wanted a team in Vegas. I don't know if they did. They I don't know if they did this in Winnipeg when it started to look like a team was going to come back to Winnipeg. I can't recall what's happened with Quebec. Has Quebec ever taken ticket commitments? I don't know if they have or not. No, the people in Quebec City apparently have never talked to the former council in Hamilton when they think if you build a brand new arena, you'll get a team. Yeah, it hasn't worked exactly perfectly. I don't think they're getting a team. I don't think it's got anything to do with East West or anything else. Well, it's a private club. It's yeah, it's a private club. Absolutely, it is. You look at Quebec and you think that to the NHL now. Two things: that to the NHL now is your great a your fallback position in case something goes terribly wrong with one of your other franchises. Because our arena's got old and we can't be the fallback position. Exactly right. No, exactly right. Exactly right. You've got a brand new NHL ready building 
that if something goes horribly wrong and someone goes bankrupt, we can move a team there and we have a place to go. That's the first thing. And the second thing is the Quebec has become the new Hamilton, not as a necessarily a destination they want to go to, but it's a perfect leverage position. You don't want to give a new, the NHL or some owner goes to their city and they say, you don't want to build us a new arena, but we'll move to Quebec. That's what Hamilton was used for 25 times over the years. Well, we'll go to Hamilton. We'll move to Hamilton. Who's the front man for Quebec? Well, is it still not um, Quebecorps? Pelado? Yeah. What what he just stepped down as? The head of Quebecorps. And what party? Oh, and and the uh, Parti Québécois. Which are? Separatists. Oh, look, I don't, I don't believe that the, the situation is ideal for the NHL by any stretch. It's a private club. But Quebec now becomes the perfect idiot. Quebec becomes the perfect group that you can always point to and say, we'll move there if you don't give us what we want. And, and Quebec will be saying, yes, yes, over here. We're over here. Come to us. And they'll play along, not thinking they're playing along. They'll think they'll be doing exactly what Hamilton has done all these years. Sure, come to us. We're ready. Not realizing there's never going to be a team coming there unless, as I say, there's something catastrophic that happens. Quebec is a, a different kettle of fish to a certain extent. It's a small market team. It's Winnipeg. As, East. Yeah, but it's, it's in Canada. And that means it would work. I mean, they would sell the building out. Um, I don't know if there's enough corporate sponsorship, although Quebec or seem to think so. Um, it would be it would be in far better shape than Florida, Columbus, and some of the other ones. And you know what? Um, as much as, as it's easy to dump on Gary Bettman because it seems to be a sport in our town here, um, his play to put teams in Phoenix and in the Sun Belt and in Columbus and in Florida and everything else, the NBC deal is making them a lot of money now. And they wouldn't have the NBC deal making them a lot of money if they had more Hamiltons in Quebec cities. There's no doubt about that. That's fine. Well, I want to go back, though, to my point, because I just don't understand. People are talking now a lot about fake news and about post the post-truth era. <laughs> We're in the post-truth era when truth is whatever you want truth to be. So if you say that's not true, well, it's not true to you. It's not true to me. So, you, But for Gary Bettman to say to Sports Illustrated, which I would still argue is the leading sports publication, period, in the world maybe, but certainly in North America, I don't think this has ever been done before, he says. That's, that's willful ignorance. Well, don't you think the journalist... Should have checked. Should have checked and said, Hamilton did it in 19 minutes. And I'll tell you something. As I said to you a moment ago, I saw this article briefly and have not read it in deep detail. Later on, he may have been fact-checked. So I can't tell you what the journalist did or didn't say. All I can tell you is what Gary Bettman said. Well, let's not get him mad because we'll never get a team then. <laughs> yeah, because it's just so close. It's so close to happening. Oh, we just don't want to tick off Gary Bettman and make him change his mind. He's just, he's just ready, just coming on to our side now. Merry Christmas, Hamilton. After Talking 30 about years. Merry Christmas. What kind of a quiz question is that? Holy crap. You think that's a tough one? Well, it's Christmas time. Why are you so mean? I thought I was being mean last week, and I couldn't stump anybody. We had 5,000 calls. Everybody knew the answer. I thought it was tough last week. I asked three tough questions, and I couldn't 
create a stump situation. Every Luke was getting mad at me because he the lines were going. They lit right up as soon as I asked the question. I thought it was hard, and everybody out there is too smart. So I thought, okay, well, I can't even Google this one. I'm going to push the boundaries and see actually where the limit of smart is with this audience because they keep making it difficult for me. I'm, I mean, I'm, if, if they get this one I'm right. I'm not sure you can Google this one. If too many people get this one right, we're going to start doing like square root questions of decimals. Then we'll see what you can do. But even then you could Google it and find out, I suppose. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll get to the quiz question again in a minute, but I'm, I'm, I'll be, I, again, I'll be very, I'm very impressed with anyone who gets this because this, uh, this is a tough question. Has there been think. a call yet? Oh yeah, no, there's been a bunch. I know I have no idea if they've been right, but there've been a bunch of calls. I'll find out from Luke in the break if anyone's getting it right, but there have been some calls. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I just, I just, I look at this quote, I look at this point that Gary Bettman says, and it just, it, to me, it's insulting. And I shouldn't be insulted, and Hamilton shouldn't be insulted, but when you consider how Hamilton has been abused over the years by the NHL, and we have been abused. We have been, as I said before, we have been used as the local convenient idiots that will always be willing to step up and take another kick in the groin on the chance that maybe someone will come, knowing that they're never coming. But we're always there to, to take another one just because maybe if we're nice enough and we're present enough, someone will come here eventually. You know you're sitting with a guy that thinks we're eventually going to get a team. Maybe, but it's been 30 years. No, and I do think that. That's, that oh, part oh, is oh, factual. That, yeah, sure. No, but I'm saying and we we will by then have had to have build a, built a new arena there or, or such major overhauls to what we have that it's essentially a new arena. So this arena, my point is we, as you said, Quebec built a brand new arena. We built an arena and wore out its lifespan and the NHL never came. And to me, the only way the NHL comes here still, and I'll never say never, I, I believe it's unlikely. I'll never say never is if a team gets into financial problems. I don't see an expansion team coming. The only way there's an expansion team coming here, in my mind, is if the NHL decides they're going to go the route of Premier League British soccer and say, you know what, every city that wants a team, you can have a team. And we're going to have two divisions. We're going to have the Premier Division and the B Division, and you can work your way up or fall down. But you want to, at a Wapiscat, you want a team, build a rink, and you got yourself a team. Deer Crossing, Alberta, you want a team? That's fine. You can build an arena and you can have a team. Everybody gets a team. $500 million each to get in. And, and, and if that happens, okay, then we'll get a team. Maybe. The Leafs may still have something to say about it. The Sabres still may have something what to say about it. What are you, the Grinch? You got a, yes. crap, you got a crappy question. <laughs> you're the why do you, pessimist. Why do you think the NHL will come then? Because it's it's probably the best market in North America that doesn't have a team. I don't doubt that. And I don't I disagree. Think, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs will get a say in where a Southern Ontario team comes. And I think they'll look at it and say Hamilton's our best pick rather than in the, like, in the GTA. I don't think they want one in Uxbridge or Vaughan or they don't want any another team right next door. The only way the Leafs will support another team close to Toronto, outside of Hamilton, would be as if they're going to use the Air Canada Centre. And do like the Leafs used to with the Toronto Toros, where they had a different league and they leased it out to them. Where Ballard leased them the building for $75,000 a night, which was an exorbitant amount, and let them play there. And took all the concessions and took all the money. And said, all right, play right in my rank if you want to. And I can't see any way that there's an NHL team that could survive in the modern NHL 
doing that anymore. So you'd have to have something. Anyway, I just, I just. There's two teams in New York City. I know. New York, and it, but, I know. But if there was to be, if the NHL was starting over again, there wouldn't be. If you were doing the, you if could, you were doing things over again, there would not be two teams in New York City. Actually, there's three. Well, I was going to say, by the time you're done reading your quiz question, you could be in New Jersey to watch the Devils play. <laughs> <laughs> let me just, uh, as we go to break, let me remind you again what Gary Bettman said, just if you missed it, talking about the Las Vegas NHL team, the Golden Knights, we think, if their legal trademark thing goes through, people were giving deposits on a team that might never exist, Bettman says. I don't think that's ever been done before, I think that people from Hamilton should actually send some stories, some clippings down to Gary Bettman of all the times that Hamilton people bought up tickets for a team that may never come here. In fact, in fact, as I go to break, was it not Gary Bettman and the rest of the NHL that lost their noodles because Jim Balsillie was putting tickets out there for a team that may never exist? Was that not part they of the whole problem? They weren't awarding franchise new franchises at the time. There was no expansion planned. He was trying to abduct the Nashville Predators and move them here. The but people were putting down tickets for a franchise you, that may I, never but, exist. But you said, wasn't it Batman that went nuts over that? Yes, because they were trying to steal a franchise. Phoenix and Nashville. Nashville, they were buying. Phoenix, they tried to steal the courts. For a franchise that might never exist. I'm just telling you. Hamilton... If, if you want to make it lost- existed, you just couldn't watch from here. <laughs> you had to go to Phoenix. Fair enough. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Uh, talking sports for the first hour with Don Robertson. And Don, uh, I watched, like I think a lot of people did, or well over a million apparently, watched the TFC championship game on Saturday night in the freezing cold. Soccer should not be played in conditions that cold, but nonetheless. You saw what happened in the end? Went to penalty kicks after they played overtime for a bit. We, I was at the Dave Vandertrek Arena um, watching the Real McCoys. But you saw what happened with Smart. the soccer. They went eventually went well, to I, the penalty shootout. I listened to it on the way home, oddly enough, and I, I think that would be the first time I've ever listened to a soccer match ever. And and we have some comments on it later. So Well, no. Well, defend for me. Defend for me soccer's overtime formula in a championship game. Well, here's what I don't here, here's what I don't get at all. It's got to be the only sport in the world where goal tabulation is counted to determine success, and a team can win the major championship, the league championship, by going the entire game without having a shot on goal. Yeah, and, yeah, and being the champions. You tell me how that makes any sense at all. Because, ever. Because, and here's the problem with soccer in the championship game. I understand if it's the quarterfinals or the semifinals and you have another game in three days or four days, you can't just have guys playing on forever. You can't because they'll, they'll be exhausted, they'll be hurt, they'll whatever. This is the championship game. No one is playing another game after this one for weeks. Nobody. You've decided then... And Seattle, the team that eventually won, and I don't have a a dog in this fight. I want to say that because I'm not a fan of one team or the other. I'm a fan of good soccer when it's on. Seattle knows that all they have to do is keep the ball out of their net for the 120 minutes, and then it'll go to a skills competition, and they have a better chance or at least as good a chance as Toronto of winning. And head-to-head, they're not as good a team. And so that's to your point. They did not have a single 
shot on net for the entire game. They made really no concerted effort to try to win that game. They just didn't want to lose that game. And here's my problem with the overtime formula. And people who are soccer traditionalists, the soccer elite, get their back up about this because they say, you just don't, you're, you're an idiot. You don't understand how soccer works. This is how soccer's always worked. My argument to that always is, I'm telling you, I'm actually complimenting your sport. When you get to the end of an hour and 20 or 120 minutes, you've played the 90 minutes, you've played a 30 minute overtime. I actually want to see more of your sport. I don't want to see you stop and then try and kick a ball to hit the side of a barn, which is what you're doing. I want to see you play more of your sport because I'm enjoying your sport. It makes no sense to me that in a championship game, you would decide the winner as you did in the, I think it was the 1994 World Cup when Italy lost to Brazil when Italy kicked it over the crossbar. There have been other games. It makes Don, it makes no sense to me. I can understand all through the year, but not a championship. You can't decide a champion on penalty kicks. You can't give a championship to a team that couldn't get a shot on net. Well, clearly you can. Fundamentally in my world, that's nuts. That said, I've had this conversation yesterday. And the argument was, that's how we do it. And you, they could actually play forever. And my response was, they couldn't. Somebody would get so tired, they'd all be having a nap. One guy would wake up and go down and kick it in the empty net. Like, eventually, it's the same as overtime in hockey when they go crazy times, five, six periods. Sure, it's going to be a nasty goal, but at least it's going to be a bloody goal. It's going to be scored. I mean, of course both teams would get tired. But here's the other part about your point. If you knew that you had to eventually score to win and you're Seattle or you're the team that decides you're just going to play a defensive style, at some point you have to make the decision, ultimately we can't just hang back and play defense. If we're going to win, we have to actually put a push forward and try to score. And what might happen if they do that? They open things up a little bit in the other team. They either, they either score or Toronto scores. You're not going to play forever because ultimately Seattle or the team who's trying to play defense is going to realize we cannot win a championship just hanging back. In the, in the last, listening to the commentators, in the last 12 or 13 minutes of the overtime, they were talking about how every one of Seattle's players was hanging back. They were making no effort to actually try and win that game just to get it to the penalty shots. Worked out for them. It worked out perfectly for them. And I don't blame Seattle. Seattle's coaches, Seattle's players, full marks to them. They came up with a game strategy that was going to be successful against a better team. They executed that strategy. They took the game to penalty kicks, which is where they had a better opportunity, and they won. So for them, it's not about them. I'm not dissing them. I'm not criticizing Seattle. I think, if anything, I'm complimenting Seattle. They did what they had to do. But it doesn't make for a good sports finish. It doesn't make for a good championship when you stop actually playing the game to have a skills competition. Not in a championship. And again, regular season, NHL shootouts, that kind of thing. We're not talking about, that's fine. That's fine. You want to do that all through the year? That's fine. You can't decide a championship on this. You just can't. They do it with the Olympics. Gretzky didn't shoot. Crawford's still in trouble for it. And did, was anybody other than the Czech, other than Dominic Hoshik, did anybody like the way that, that finished? Nobody in Canada. I don't think anybody anywhere actually likes to see the game not be played out. No, it's a, it's a, 
it's an odd way to do it. We do it in our league, but we do it in our league because we have restrictions on ice time. But if you got to your championship game. That never happened. You wouldn't stop for a shootout. No. The NBA wouldn't stop for a free throw contest. Major League Baseball wouldn't suddenly after 20 innings go to a home run hitting contest. NFL football and the Super Bowl wouldn't suddenly go to longer and longer field goals. Like it's the only sport, only team sport I can think of that would, lacrosse you wouldn't, uh, rugby you wouldn't. I mean, think of any other team sport you wouldn't. Well, back to what I said, in what other team sport with sport where they keep track of the goals, can you win a championship without having a shot on net? I, I, I agree. I agree. But I think the, 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 this kind of by Murphy's law was predictable because the, the two games with Montreal and Toronto were spectacular soccer games. And even non-fans or casual soccer fans could watch those games and go, you know what? I can watch this. I'm looking at the, it's, it's exciting on the field. The action in the crowd makes you go, I want to be at one of these games and be part of a crowd like that because it was fantastic. Then you go to the championship and you say the same thing about the crowd. I would love to be in a crowd like that, jumping around and singing and waving flags and firing off torch flares and having smoke bombs going everywhere. And when a guy tries to make a corner kick, you're whipping toilet paper and ribbons at him and stuff. It was, it was a phenomenal environment. And you look and you go, those three games did a ton, I think, to sell that league and sell that team and sell soccer. And then you get to the kicks and you just, a lot of people went, wait a second. Really? I, 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 I would never. There's two ways you resolve this. Either you say, we're going to keep playing and every 10 minutes another guy on each team comes off the field, which isn't ideal. I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be loving that idea because it, it, it's tired. a gimmick. They're going to get tired. That's a gimmick. Or for those who say, yeah, but if you let them play too long, someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to collapse, whatever. You're all year to get ready. You say, listen, we're going to keep going, but every 30 minutes, because there's a limited number of substitutions you can have in the soccer game. Every 30 minutes more, we go in overtime. Both teams get an additional substitution. You can move another guy off and put it someone in. They've got... How many guys, Luke, does a soccer, an MLS team or a Premier League team have on their roster who are at the game? They've got, what, 25 guys? No, got a ton. Uh, there's you have a access lot. to, I think it's 18 or 19 players. 18 or 19. So there's no, there's no shortage. So basically, you, every half hour, you have another substitution at your disposal that you could use. And so you're going to, uh, and if you need to put a fresh guy on, and then you play. And you're right, someone will score, and it will be at least a satisfying ending. I don't think anybody other than the Portland players... Seattle, pardon me, and their fans. I don't think anyone who likes soccer felt satisfied by that by that ending. I can tell you how the soccer. I saw something last Wednesday. No, the Wednesday Toronto Montreal played. We were practicing, and I haven't seen it before. The soccer game was on TV in the dressing room. The guys didn't want to go out. They wanted to sit and watch the soccer game. It was pretty cool to see because. Those were terrific games with two teams, and this is the difference as well, with two teams that both went for it. That's why you had goals. Both teams went for it and tried to score goals, and it opens things up, and that's what I'm talking about. If you say you cannot win in overtime unless you score, you can't win a championship unless you score, at least one guy has to go up and try and score a goal, which is going to open things up and create other opportunities. Did you see that video on Facebook, that soccer goalie? Yeah. Did you see? 
What? Yeah, I shared it, and I don't share stuff like this. What was his name? I can't remember his name now. The uh, yes, maybe I have to put that one on my Facebook page. Um, anyway, d- wonderful built, wonderful building of something for Canadian soccer. Terrible ending. Soccer honestly should get on this. The MLS. You don't have to follow everything that Premier League or Brazilian League or Bundesliga does. Do something a little bit different and say from now on. We will not allow a championship to be ended on free kicks. It's the one game. You have to change the rules for one game. That's it. Not for every other game. For one game, we will play until we someone scores in a championship and we'll stay here all night if we have to. And nobody will complain. I'm not North America's biggest MLS fan. So there'd be people that would be far more familiar with this than I am. When was the last time the championship was determined in a kick? free or a kick, uh, penalty shot. I do not know. I wonder if it ever has. I mean, if this is the first one. Well, it's happened in the World Cup. As I say, Italy and no, I Brazil. Know, but, but even in North America where they, they want to grow the sport. I mean, I remember the WHA used to use blue pucks. Uh-huh. Like, like that would change something. Luke says three times it's happened in this league. Well, they're not changing it. Four now. Four now. So no, no, Unless they're listening to this show. Th- absolutely they are. And by the way, the goalie, Scott Sterling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go type in Scott Sterling into Google and uh, and watch the video. He's also uh, prominently used in a volleyball video as well. Similarly uh, stylized. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Got a few minutes left here. Uh, Don, you have built teams. You've been involved in sports teams for a long time as general manager, coach, owner, whatever else. I was very interested this last week when Dave Dombrowski from the Baltimore Orioles said, we will not sign Jose Bautista. Sorry, Dan Duquette. We will not sign uh, Jose Bautista because our fans don't like him. Is that a good way to operate a team? I, you're in the entertainment business, so you want to keep your fans happy, but is that really a way to make decisions about personnel? Well, I don't think I don't think what he said was true. You think it was just a, a cop-out excuse? I think if Jose Batista said, I'll play there for a million dollars a year, they fly sure, him well, in sure. immediately. So they just didn't like the, the what he was asking for? But, well, but they say, I mean, he said All it, things being equal, then you can say our fans don't like him, but... Every team in the league will tell you that the pest on the other team, the biggest guy that's the biggest pain in the neck against you, you'd rather have him on your team than against you. That's traditionally how it goes. So there's a lot of sports that are different, but I think they would take him on a heartbeat if if they thought he could hit 40 home runs. And if the salary was right. I, I, I think you're probably right. I don't know, even with that, I don't know if Jose Bautista could play in Texas. I just, no, I mean, seriously, I, there is so much bad blood. I mean, there's, they, they have a thing going in, in, in Baltimore with Darren O'Day, the reliever. That seems to be the guy who's always at the middle of it with Bautista. But I don't know that, I think if anybody could say that and it be believable, it would be Texas's general Texas manager. Could say it, yeah. I think Texas could honestly say, we can't bring that guy into our clubhouse because the fans hate him and our players hate him. Yeah, but if he's not, if he's not a dickhead in the dressing room, like if he's not a bad guy in the dressing room, then and he could help you win. There's been a lot of guys, coaches, GMs, and everything else, hold their nose to bring guys in. There, I've had not a lot, but my share of guys that 
I'm not sure I wouldn't drive by if they had a flat tire in a snowstorm, but I've kept them on the team because they can help us win. But I don't. It doesn't happen very often, especially at our level. Yeah, but I don't know how. I don't know if 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 you're Texas's general manager, I don't think you are willing to take the risk that he upsets the apple cart in the locker room in the clubhouse. That hey, that's man. that's that's the thing. But to actually to put it on the fans though. That's an unusual one. I can't remember any general manager ever saying that before. Th- that may have played into some things, maybe, but I can't remember him ever using that as the cop-out to not sign a guy. No, I, 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 I'm sure it's happened. It hasn't probably happened at that level, and it hasn't happened that directly. I think his follow-up comment was money, though, saying, you know, maybe for the right money we could figure, figure out how to make it work. I, I mean, that was the clip that everybody heard about. You know, we don't want him on our team because the players and the fans don't like him. But I'm telling you, if they thought he could hit 40 home runs and win him a World Series, they'd get over it. Well, I mean, look, who, who's the, who would be the most hated baseball player in Toronto right now? I would guess it would be Rudnett Odor, the guy who punched Bautista from Texas. That's probably the guy that Toronto yeah. Blue Jay fans hate the most. And if you brought him here and he hit 30 home runs and batted 320 and played good second base, he'd be the most popular Blue Jay on the team, maybe with Donaldson. But, I mean, the fact is, it wouldn't matter what the history was. We just want to win. I was going to say, you get over in a hurry. If you think the guy can help you win, it happens in a lot of sports. The only risk is if your team lo- is losing, if you don't end up winning, if your team is a loser and the guy doesn't perform. Oh, then he's in big trouble. Then he and you are in a spot. And so you, if you're the general manager and you're going to bring in a guy like Bautista to a place where there's some history, you better be preparing that you're going to win. Well, you're right. When I said they'd love to have him around if they thought he could hit 40 home runs and win him a World Series, but if he comes in and goes 0 for 76 to start with. <laughs> Gets he injured w- and they go and they miss the playoffs <laughs> by 40 games. Because it, they're paying him all kinds of money. It may be slightly miserable. <laughs> the Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900. AM 900 CHML.